this is an eavesdropping conversation and I'm here this morning with Heather Roche. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Fresh in from Canada. Mm. Is that right? Jet lagged yeah. still. Yes. So we're both armed with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome Heather, it's really nice to have you here. Um, pretty much a month ahead of your eavesdropping performance which yeah, will be on right. the 16th of March. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that um, in due course. Um, by way of introduction, could you tell us a bit about the sort of music making that you do? So, as listeners may or may not know, I'm a clarinetist, and I think a lot of the work tends to shift between projects that I've initiated myself, which tend to be quite collaborative, mm -hmm. and the sort of hired gun approach to <laughs> musical life. Um, you being the gun. <laughs> I, am, I am definitely the gun. Um, <laughs> and I feel quite lucky in that my hired gun experience tends to also generally be um, quite musically fulfilling and mm. within the realms of the kind of new music that I, that I enjoy most, particularly um, in the last six months since I've moved back to London. So I think when I started playing the clarinet, um, its compactness probably appealed to me quite a lot. And I don't think I was quite aware of how diverse the family could be. Uh -huh. And that ended up being sort of my downfall later. Um, when one is in university or at the conservatory one is required to specialize in an auxiliary instrument for the purposes of getting an orchestra job and that's when I bought my bass clarinet and then since then it's just sort of expanded into this kind of uh, transportation nightmare um, because when you think about the colors possible in the e-flat clarinet and the colors mm -hmm. possible in the contrabass clarinet and then everything in between yeah. I tend to get quite um, geekly overexcited. <laughs> so you mean you picked the clarinet because you thought it was small and transportable and now you have an army of clarinets and, yeah. and it's, all, <laughs> it's all turned out a bit different from, from what we expected. Indeed, but a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think kind of promoter of colour and just kind of fan of the strange. Fan of the strange. Promoter of colour and fan of the strange. Very good. <laughs> Um, and you mentioned that you've just moved back here to London, but you've you've done quite an amazing journey around the globe, really, in terms of your your times of study and all the rest of it. So can you whiz us whiz us through that? Um, well, I did my I did my undergrad in Victoria, BC, where I grew up, um, which is a kind of weird home to experimental Canadian mm. music now, and it's so amazing how all of these composers who I knew from around the time I was 18 are doing so amazingly well now. And then, and then I did my master's here in London at the Guildhall in orchestral training, um, at which point I learned that that was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. <laughs> so helpful in a way. Uh, absolutely <laughs> helpful, yeah, it was a good lesson to learn. Um, and then I went up to Huddersfield and did a PhD there with uh, Philip Thomas, and then moved to Germany for eight years, mm. just freelancing, and then came back here. Well, welcome back. Thanks. Um, let's talk a bit about some of these projects that you've created for yourself. Um, 
I'd be interested to know what drives that, what you've been looking for when you've created these projects and whether that's changed over the years or whether there's a sort of a common thread perhaps that runs through them. Um, I think it is changing a little bit now. I think um, after after I started my blog, which I guess we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. a lot of the work that I was interested in became very much instrument-focused. Mm-hmm. So once I realized I had a fairly strong ability for controlling, let's call them extended techniques, mm-hmm. um, and started writing about them, a lot of the pieces tended to become quite focused on yeah. that side of things. Yeah. Um, which on on the one side worked out quite well, but on the other on the other hand, you know, cool sounds the piece do not make. And um, so I think more recently I've tried to kind of get away a little bit from this focus, and mm-hmm. I just started to become more interested in composers who aren't necessarily doing that kind of thing. So what sort of thing might might they be doing? I mean, you you mean less less sound focused, less tam tambour focused, or just less extended techniques. Just focused. just less that being the first thing we, yeah. we start talking about. Um, I mean, I thought it was so interesting the first concert in the eavesdropping series where Severine was playing her own mm. pieces, and you just have such a sense of not only does she have such a brilliant control over the techniques, but they're they they go beyond idiomatic. Yes. And they're part of her, yeah, and part of the instrument, and that is almost impossible to achieve. There are so few composers, I think, who. Mm. who mm. Well, I'm I'm sort of on a personal mission to try and get rid of the term extended vocal techniques. So I think about it from from my own bias. No, I hate the, I hate the term as well because <laughs> they're they're natural acoustic. Yeah. properties of the instrument and I don't like the way they're taught and yeah they're put in a box apart from everything else which doesn't seem helpful to exactly. anything or anyone and I've had teachers tell me not to learn to do certain things because they thought it would negatively affect my technique mm. when I think the control is actually quite useful mm. well so it, it sounds to me anyway like it's you're interested in a similar thing of reintegration somehow exactly so that it's of course it's still about the instrument and it's about the sounds but in a more holistic mm. way perhaps it's possible that i've just gone in my head a little bit too far the other way <laughs> and i'll sort of <laughs> recalibrate but the, these are processes aren't they that long process that processes that we go through i think when we're creating projects that you can start out with one agenda and it, and it shifts and it's the sort of swinging back and forth is part of our own mm. journeying. Yeah, I wonder if there's also a slight fear of being kind of pigeonholed mm. in terms of doing doing one thing. Um, I know a lot of players who think that sort mm. of are in that position, and I but I don't know whether that's a good thing. Am I already pigeonholed? Am I known for doing a certain thing? I don't. I don't even know actually. I don't know. I think you're just known as the boss of <laughs> complicated clarinetty things. <laughs> That's good. That's going on my CV too. I like to think we always have time to to surprise people, though. Yes. To, to break you. out, break out of the pigeonhole. There I are, mean, there are people that insist on pigeonholing, no matter what we do. Absolutely. And there are people that that you know. I'm going to say I want to get away from extended techniques. Extended techniques. 
I've just got to find a better term. <laughs> but Sarah Morphy used to call me the queen of multiphonics on the radio the other day, and it's kind of the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> so what are you working on at the moment? Um, at the moment, I am... Oh, I'm going to Sweden next week. So I'm getting ready getting ready for that. I'm playing quite a bit with an ensemble there called Mini Kevin. And they're a fairly young Swedish group, and they're great. And... Um, I'm really excited because they're doing a piece by a composer called Johan Svensson, whose work I've always really liked. Mm. And he runs he runs the group, but somehow in the couple of times I've played with him, I've never done one of his pieces. And he's got a great sort of sense of strange sounds combined with sort of groove, and it's great. <laughs> um, what's his name again? Johan Svensson. And what's the ensemble called? Mimi Tabu. And where are they in Sweden? In Gothenburg. Nice. Yeah. So you're part of the ensemble for that. Um, yes. Yeah, that's just, that's, that's definitely on the high, high gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then getting back and just getting ready for uh, eavesdropping and for International Women's Day. What are you Be- doing? Because I'm playing part as part of this Soundlings Ah, uh, yes. Um, and I'm doing two pieces, one by Rebecca Saunders and one by Tony Olsen. Yeah, there's, there's actually a really um, nice energy around the place at the moment with various little events like Soundling Festival and well and various bigger ones like the Women of the World Festival happening at the South Bank to do with International Women's Day so March is the month for it and that was quite accidental when I programmed the symposium (laughs) to fall in one I mean you know I'm embracing the embracing the haphazard action but yeah. yeah it's nice it feels like there's something in the air I think in general being away for eight years and then coming back in, into mm-hmm. London, it seems like there's so much more going on in terms of the new music that's being oh, made. Oh, that's here. interesting to hear. I didn't expect. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect to be as busy as I am at all. In fact, all of my continental friends were prophesizing the death of my career. And, and really, was, yeah, definitely. I think it's true that there's been there's been a proliferation of sort of grassroots level initiatives in London springing mm. up in the last five to ten years so I suppose mm. I suppose that's about right so that would be the change that's, that you're seeing yeah it feels like a good place for new music at the moment it, yeah it does struggling it's, always of course but uh, in a way I think that's what keeps it energetic I I quite like it actually in a way because um, when I was living in Germany there was there was a lot more going on perhaps nationally, and things were generally better paid. Mm. Um, although overall, perhaps not because we just rehearsed a lot more. Yes, <laughs> which is also nice. Um, but I felt like um, rather than a higher gun, I felt like a cog in a, in the new mm-hmm. music machine, and I didn't feel like I had much of an ability to kind of have my own personality mm. within that. But here, I I find that kind of we're all sort of in it together and kind of mm-hmm. mucking along and trying to make things happen quite nice. Um, I suppose it would be quite similar were I to go back to Canada, but on a much much bigger and more difficult, more expensive level. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's London for me. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about your blog. Okay. Because that obviously has fed into 
your work more more than just being something on the side. It's actually been something that has shaped the way that um, that you present yourself, and perhaps the way that you're perceived, and of course has shaped your your own research. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, well, in terms of research, I think the blog was a sort of response to finishing my PhD and not mm -hmm. having an outlet for that kind of thinking. Um, combined with having just moved to Germany and not having quite sort of getting my career started mm -hmm. there. And it, yeah, it definitely does, has affected my career in a big way. So when did you, when did you start the blog? I started, How old is it now? It's, it's about six years old now, I think. And now it gets about 90,000 views a year. It's amazing. Which is, which is extraordinary. And in the last sort of year, I haven't had a lot of time mm -hmm. to work on it just because um, I've been playing the planet instead. But it's, but I like that it's still, it's still there existing as a resource and I think people are still making good use of it. well from the stats people are definitely making good use of it and and it started off primarily did it as a, a sort of composer's resource really well it's it started off because I was getting a little tired of answering the same questions mm. all the time and so I think I started with a post about air sounds actually that's not true I think I started off with a post with sort of advice for young composers yeah. because I was really struggling with what I thought were quite easy things to smooth the relationship, which definitely came out of my PhD, which was looking at kind of how dialogue affects collaborative relationships. Mm -hmm. And I mean, really simple things like if you have a rehearsal with an ensemble that you've never worked with before, get on their website and learn their names because yeah. it's so much nicer being called Heather than clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was just a lot of, there was enough positive feedback about that that I started thinking about kind of other things. And it, it happened so gradually. I've had a few other instrumentalists and singers approach me about doing something similar. And I imagine it must be so daunting if you start from the point of view of I'm going to create this resource mm. rather than I'm just going to make this thing yeah. because then I don't have to talk about air sounds and every time a composer <laughs> sends me an email I can just send them the link. Yeah. And then it kind of just, I sort of kept doing it. And now I really, my favourite are the ones that attack a very tiny problem because it's the kind of thing you're never going to find in a book mm. and it's the kind of thing I can happily spend two days sort of being kind of geeky about and then it's there and then it kind of just tucks itself into the rest of the rest of the resource. My only concern now is making sure that there are enough ways to find the information that you want to find. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much up there so yeah. na navigating it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also would really, I don't know how to do this but I'd really like to put in a random post button. Oh, like a ra the just randomly just, chooses one exact, for somebody to read. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Some somebody must be able to help you with that. Surely it's not mm, so indeed. difficult to do. People of the internet, yes, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I think it's amazing the the readership that you have, and um, well, it just goes to show that people are hungry for that sort of information. You know, whether it's for the clarinet or. Or any other instrument. I think for for young composers in particular, mm -hmm. it's the the literature out there. Those books are so expensive, and they present a kind of 
an amount of information that's fixed in time. So it's very, I mean, the book that we're still using for the clarinet was written in the 70s. Mm. And I think it's still, it's, it's got good information in it. It's just sort of stuck mm. there. Have the instruments evolved a lot since the 1970s? Yes and no. Um, there are definitely people who are kind of doing some really interesting kind of experiments. There's um, there's a new uh, country's climate that was developed with Ennis um, Molinari in, in Switzerland, which you have to plug it in because it's <laughs> the keywork is all motorized, mm -hmm. basically. Um, but at the same time, generally, not really, not mm -hmm. really, not really. Yeah. Let's talk about eavesdropping. Yeah. Um, it's up to you, really, how much you want to share with us about your programme, because, of course, normally we don't really announce anything until the night, but you might want to give us, give well, us some clues. I think, um, I won't tell you what I'm going to play, mm -hmm. but... What I can tell you is I'm going to use this concert to feature two of the new uh, children in the family, particularly the contrabass clarinet, and um, I just bought a basset horn six months ago. Are we going to have some basset horn oh, going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's really exciting. <laughs> I love the basset horn. Really? Yeah, I do. You look, I mean... You can't see her face, but she just looks so happy right now, and I don't understand. Um, yeah, maybe that's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> I tell you why it is. It's because um, because I used to be an oboist, and one of the most wonderful experiences was playing the Mozart B flat serenade, which has oh right, all yeah. in. No, and I did that. I think when I was about seventeen or something, and I hadn't come across this instrument and. It's just, it's a crazy sound, and it's such a, such a central sound to that to that piece in particular. It really changes the yeah color of that piece. It is very unusual, and one tends if someone asks you what it is, one tends to say, well, it's somewhere between a bass clarinet and a clarinet, which is true in terms of the size, but I think the sound mm. is so unusual. Yeah, um, and there's just not that much contemporary repertoire for it and in terms of the contra there's i found one piece for country based climate written by a woman mm -hmm. and otherwise there's, there's okay nothing. so there's room for so some more repertoire exactly, there. exactly. Mm -hmm. so i'm about 90 percent sure i'm going to play one of the sort of classics classics for country based clarinet <laughs> just because what i want you know i'm sort of going on the assumption there's going to be a lot of composers in the audience. Unusual for a new music concert, but there yeah. you go. <laughs> um, and I want to give them a chance to hear that. To hear, yeah. to hear the kind of colours that are possible, but also to hear how flexible the instrument is. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the woman thing? <laughs> Let's talk about the woman thing. Um, I'm wondering if you, if you feel that there have been particular challenges through your career um, because of being a woman or whether that's completely irrelevant? Um, it's not completely irrelevant. It's not irrelevant at all. In, um, I think I can offer a lot of anecdotal evidence to show that sexism has negatively influenced 
where my career oh no yes definitely <laughs> it was worse in Germany really yeah I think I find it much easier to be ambitious here I think in general we're sort of encouraged not to be and I found that when I was living there it was fairly I found it very difficult and again there's a language problem yeah. and I was foreign in a way that I uh, that I'm not foreign here mm. 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 that's very distressing it's um yes it's interesting that that you describe your ambition being being the problem that it's this combination of being a woman and being ambitious and being a bit introverted I think right also I think I mean that's where the Things like the blog. I mean, for all that we talk about the internet and social media mm. causing the downfall of society, <laughs> I think for someone who's very comfortable being on stage, but not necessarily comfortable talking to people. Yeah. I mean, being able to sort of create myself through the blog. Yes. Or, or and articulate thoughts with, with time and control over that. Exactly. Yeah. It's very useful. And how how do you how do you approach the question of supporting female composers? We all have like a massive range of opinions and uh, attitudes uh, on this question. I think of trying to get well generally greater diversity mm. amongst our community, and particularly um, a greater diversity of composers, creating op- opportunities for a broader variety of people. Um, is this something that you that you think about, or how how do you approach that? It's something that I think about more now. I'm not sure that I always felt in the best position mm. to be able to make myself useful yeah. in that way. But I feel that in the last couple of years, things are. I feel in a much more stronger, more powerful position yeah. in my own career, and now I feel like now's the time to start promoting the women I know who are making yeah. amazing things. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that. I, I feel too that it's um I've only really had had the sense of having any agency myself mm. in in the last few years and um I had in in sort of referring back to us talking about changing one's approach to repertoire, mm. I had tweeted something about, you know, if you ever wanted to send me a piece and you thought, Heather plays this kind of thing, she's not going to play it, this is the moment because I'm thinking about this stuff. Yes. And I had loads of responses and no women, no women sent me their, oh, sent really? me their music. So that the extra research is necessary because I think it goes back to this thing where we're sort of encouraged not to be ambitious. Mm. And I wonder if women composers are not sending... I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why women aren't sending sending me their music. Well, I hope they will start to send me send me your music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to encourage, because it seems to me that the the encouragement isn't just about programming. No, it goes back true. before that. Something about the way these calls are happening is not encouraging women to apply. Mm. Well, this is a job for us. Yes. Somehow to to build the build the networks that do reach more 
women. So I think that seems like a nice place to end, Heather. Um, I feel like there's quite a lot for me to go away and think about suddenly. <laughs> but that's always the sign of a good conversation, so thank, thank you. you. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to the 16th of March. Me too. And hearing what our, in fact it's an all-Canadian double bill. Yeah. With Heather and Andrea Young. I'm um, definitely going to play some Canadian music. Are um, you? Oh yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. Well, we look forward to that. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you.